going to be back in the book of Emmanuel this morning, that book, chapter 7 through 12 of Isaiah, is considered that book of Emmanuel. There is still an expectation, an expectation of a Messiah and the promise of God's uh, deliverance all throughout um, the book of Isaiah. But we're going to focus our time this morning in chapter 9, really consider the climax, I would say, of this section here. Uh, Just to refresh our memories, we're in that time period of King Ahaz in Judah. And uh, you recall the kingdom is now split between Israel in the north and the kingdom of Judah in the south. And that took place at about the time of of, um, King Solomon, right after King Solomon's reign in 930 B.C. Well, now we're about 730, 732 B.C. uh, with King Ahaz. There's multiple threats. Uh, against, uh, particularly against Judah, the southern tribe of Judah, from, from every direction. And so the Lord told unbelieving Ahaz to ask for a sign. Um, and that he would provide a sign. Ahaz doesn't ask for this sign. He still steps willingly in unbelief. But the Lord gives him a sign anyway. Um, and that this sign is going to deliver. Uh, it would mark the deliverance of God's people in that context, in that circumstance, and then well into the future. And this sign would be a child. A child would be Emmanuel. God with us. And so in chapter 9 then, we have a description of this child and God's enduring promise to the house of David. I'm going to read uh, verses 2-7 through in our English translations there. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Incredible promise as we learn more of this sign. Let's pray together. Lord God, we are grateful for Your grace. Grateful for Your Word that You have given to us. We ask now that You would open our ears, open our hearts in receiving this word, Lord, we can, we can read the words and words that we've read and heard year after year, many times and in many places, and yet to think that it is the exact word you want us to hear today, now, in these moments. Teach us, encourage us, form us through your holy word. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So what does the world really need? If you could give the world something for Christmas, give it something, someone, what 
What would you give um, this world? Um, you know, shopping for Christmas gifts can be a bit of a challenge um, because you don't want to be too obvious, you know, in, in shopping for a gift, really, but, but you need some idea, and so maybe you drop hints, maybe you ask questions or roundabout questions to get an idea of, of what to get for Christmas. Um, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe you're one to drop hints. Um, for for Christmas presents, um, but how about the world? What does the world need for Christmas? What does the world want for Christmas? How do you find that out? Um, you know, we can listen to the radio, we can watch the TV, we can look at the billboards uh, to see. You know, it maybe it's the golden rings and diamonds, a low interest loan, or better, you know, refinancing situation. Maybe that's what the world uh, wants for Christmas. Um, you know, there, there's a song that's been out for many years that may help us a little bit, where a little gal sings, I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Only hippopotamus. That would be a pretty cool Christmas gift, would it not? Um, how exciting that would be. But is that what the world needs? Uh, I, I have another song. I'm not going to sing it. But it's one on uh, one of Amy Grant's Christmas CDs. I totally give away my generation, don't I? Every time I mention a song. Um, but it may help in our pursuit of that perfect gift for the world. It's called uh, My Grown-Up Christmas List. And the, the plea of the refrain goes like this. No more lives torn apart. Then wars would never start. And time would heal all hearts. Everyone would have a friend. Right would always win. And love would never end. That sounds like a pretty good Christmas list. Who wouldn't want to give that to the world. Um, relationships that are mended, families that aren't you know, torn apart, um, close friendships of integrity and trust, um, perfect justice for the oppressed, and, and love, just the ability to love effortlessly. Um, you know, wouldn't you like to deliver that on Christmas morning? To the world, um, but such a gift really it does not exist uh, in the world in which we live. Um, so even as we move into this Advent season, we get a little closer uh, to Christmas. Our longing, our expectation is growing, growing for the Messiah. We rejoice. We're amazed um, that at that first Christmas, that God has given the world what it needed the most. And the prophet here gives special insight into this greatest of all gifts that we've been given. And so Isaiah opens this section by saying that people walking in darkness have seen a great light. So there's a powerful contrast here between light and darkness. Between people who are in darkness and where they will be in the light of God's promise that He's given to them. But Isaiah speaks of what will be as something that can actually be enjoyed now by God's people. Uh, so for us to really appreciate here what the prophet's message is, we, we must understand the rule of darkness in which the people live um, and, in our, and our, how we experience that ourselves, as well as this great uh, gift of life or of light that is promised uh, by God. So the people who walked in darkness, those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, a desolate time, a dark time in the life of God's people. Israel's under threat, like I mentioned 
in, in every direction. Possibility of war is growing stronger for the people. Um, and the king, the one who should be leaning out in faithfulness, trusting the Lord, modeling what that looks like to the people, uh, he refuses to acknowledge the Lord. Ahaz was, was quite faithless, corrupt, placed a heavy burden upon the people. Um, just like we heard last week, he, he preferred to appeal to the nations, to appeal to Assyria and pagan kings rather than inquire of, of the Lord and for his help. And so God's people are living in the darkness of, let's say, oh, oppressive and rebellious leadership. Uh, little hopes for improvement on that front. So where is this Messiah that's been promised? Where is the one who's going to deliver? Uh, what hope do we have for the Davidic line in the midst of such corruption? They longed for this. They needed a faithful leader. One whom they could trust to, to represent them, to rule rightly on the throne of David. Who's going to actually submit to the power and authority of the Lord. Um, I wonder if you ever find yourself in a similar place. Thinking, is there any hope that things are going to get better for this world? Any hope that it's going to get better for our community? Or maybe for the church? Or maybe for our family? Find yourself thinking that? You know, when, when will my husband stand for truth and be a, a servant leader that God intends him to be? Will there ever be a time when you know, those vying for political office can acknowledge their own weakness and affirm the, the good qualities and the righteous qualities of another? Um, who may be willing to submit their own agenda no matter how right they think it is to the wisdom and to the, the direction of the true king who gives authority to all. Okay? Even leaders you know, within the church. You know, to, to model a, a repentant faith and a submission to the Word of God, whatever the threat may be. The, whatever the ultimate cost may be in doing that. Okay, we long for such leadership. And if you're all like me, that can be rather depressing at times. Thinking that the darkness of rebellious, corrupt leadership within our own land or those who who directly oppose our, our freedoms and way of life, that that, that, that darkness is just never going to lift. But the darkness in Israel it extended beyond the king who just refused you know, to bow before the Lord. It actually it touched the hearts of the people themselves. God's people were living in the darkness of their own sin and rebellion against the true king. So this is where idol worship and immorality were, were rampant in Israel. And God's actually going to use the Assyrians as a rod of discipline against His people. But their obligations remain. They, they had turned their back uh, on the Lord. Unless we say, well, you know, that was then, this is now. We're over that. You know, in response to, to our world, our nation, um, is, is it really any different for us? Really? Um, you and I are all too familiar with living in the darkness, the darkness that resides you know, right here in our own hearts. And we can say, well, yeah, sure, our, our lives look 
You look okay from the outside. Those looking at us may think, well, hey, they've, they've got it all together. But we know differently, don't we? In our own hearts. And even as Christians, it's so easy to, to sneak other things into our lives, other little idols that, that we believe will give us more pleasure and more satisfaction and more joy, more rest than knowing Christ. Um, turning ourselves over to His mercy and His righteous rule in our lives. So as we move outward from the re- rebellion in our own hearts to what we observe in our communities and nation, we see this darkness. It's like a, like a storm growing on the horizon. To think we live in a nation where hundreds of millions of people live in this rebellion against the Lord. In utter darkness. And though God has revealed His eternal power and His divine nature, they have suppressed the truth and exchange it for a lie, many a lie. In these last you know, many years, just shown us how the, I mean, the sexual freedoms and expressions that continue to be explored uh, in our land and ex- expanded, actually restricting freedoms that we have. Any, anytime we endorse or celebrate certain behaviors, we restrict ourselves in other areas. It's just kind of the nature of, of freedom. Just one example of this, you know, as our society embraces homosexual behavior, what was considered normal and appropriate physical affection even between two men or between two women, that now becomes romanticized when there may be no, no romantic intentions whatsoever. Um, that's the impression of the society and only continues as we're you know, exposed to more sexual brokenness and abuse, child abuse through, through gender confusion and manipulation. So that what is considered normal and appropriate and necessary affection, even between parents and children, um, is viewed as romantic. So that's kind of the you know, pit-in-your-stomach trend that we're seeing uh, in society. That is the deep darkness that surrounds us. How we need, we need this liberation from darkness. Think like the U.S. armies busting into those you know, concentration camps during World War II amidst shouts of, of elation, deliverance. Um, we need to be set free from the shackles of the world. Our own flesh and the devil. So the people of Israel need to be set free, free from the oppression of the Assyrians to live a life of worship to, uh, to the Lord God uh, before the nations. So the prophet says that this, this liberation, this freedom, that would come, but it's not going to come with an army. It's going to come with a little child, which seems just like the Lord, doesn't it? To deliver in that way. Um, to work His plan and purpose through the birth of a little child. You, you hear the tenderness the grace of God in this, showing Himself strong, His purpose is true in the midst of human weakness. Now this month, even as we, uh, we pray for the ministry of caring hearts and uh, the pregnancy center there, support them throughout the year, just it reminds us um, of, of the provision and blessing of children, child-bearing, child-rearing, the need to protect children in the womb and 
inform families and you know, expectant mothers of the beauty of what God is doing and forming that little child. So this child that the prophet speaks of is going to defeat the enemies of Israel. Restore peace to the nation. And this peace that the child would, would bring would be in accord with the very character of God Himself. Justice and righteousness. That's going to prevail again in Israel. So Isaiah tells us that the government would be on the shoulders of this great leader. Literally bearing the burden of God's people. You have an extraordinary uh, wisdom. Wisdom beyond human comprehension. He's given the very title of the mighty God of Israel. He's an everlasting father. So all that a, a human father could be and more. He will provide. He will protect. He will care for His children. It's a description of what this child will do. He'll be the Prince of Peace. He'll make all things right again. All things the, the way that they should be. The shalom of God will be ushered in. All the effects of sin will be healed. So this is the King Israel needed. A leader who's not just going to to deal with the external enemies like the Assyrians, but a leader who will deal with the greater threat, the greater problem of man's rebellion against God. Church family, this is the king we need. This is the, the leader that our hearts long for. Okay? One who has the power to deliver, to drive away the darkness. So there's only one that can do, only one who fits the description of such a king. The child that God promised is found in the Lord Jesus. So the Messiah that was promised has, has come in Christ. The whole New Testament is overwhelming evidence, witness to this. The Lord Jesus comes with divine wisdom. Apostle Paul tells us that Christ is the wisdom of God, holds all the, the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus has divine power. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, he says in Matthew 28. He's going to return with power, with great glory. We also read in Matthew, Jesus has existed from all eternity and for all eternity. He was there in the beginning, John tells us in his Gospel. He is the Alpha and the Omega, we read at the end of Revelation. So just as He's come to, to rescue His people, to bring them back, to restore that relationship to God. He does this by living, dying, and taking His life up again. What a gift. What a gift. The Messiah to come. The Son of God. The King of creation. Would take upon Himself our nature. He'd enter into this world to bring peace. Jesus comes the first time. Not like you would expect at all a great king to arrive. With no pomp, with no fanfare. He comes in weakness. He comes in vulnerability. Humility of a child. And that's going to mark his life. A life of humility that would take him all the way to a cross. The Son of Man did not come to be served as you would expect a king to be served. But to serve. To give his life as a ransom. So how do you respond to such a gift? 
Could you even refuse the greatest of all gifts as something that you don't want or don't believe you need? And we don't know actually how the the people of Israel responded to this promise in chapter 9. There's no real evidence from the text. But the intent here is to invoke hearts of repentance. To return to the Lord. Worship Him in spirit and in truth. So are we listening to that? Are we, are we living in that place of spiritual darkness? You know, looking for deliverance. Freedom. Peace that will last. And friend, I, I implore you today to look to Christ. Look to the true and, and everlasting King. The only one who can rescue from deep darkness. As we rest upon the work of Christ, as we lean into Jesus together, we find a, a hope and encouragement that, that the original audience, much more than they had. Because God has delivered upon this promise. Jesus has set us free from the bonds of sin. Now, that's why, why He came that first Advent, that first Christmas, that was His mission. And He will set us free from the very presence of sin at His return. The darkness which is all already fading will be gone. We'll be overcome with the joy of His presence, the light of Christ at His return. So brothers and sisters, our, our comfort comes from knowing that in the darkness, Jesus is our light. He shows us that His grace is sufficient in our deepest needs. Even when the darkness looms, even when it, it presses in close, the pain of our own sin or sin against us, there is reason for hope. Hope that, that fuels joy in the midst of the darkness because we know that it will not last. To us a child is born. To us a son is given. The government shall be on his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Lord God, we thank You for this Word that You have come to us as the Prince of Peace, one who shines in our darkness, who pushes out the darkness. Oh Lord, make it so. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Restore Your kingdom in full. We thank You that this light grows brighter in a season of expectation and wonder at Your great love for us. Lord, You are faithful faithful in fulfilling Your promise to Your people so very long ago and to us. So Lord, we rest upon this promise. We rest upon the life we have in Jesus now and forever. And we thank You for Your grace in giving us Your Word. We thank You for Your grace in giving us this table in which we can feast upon our Savior Oh, bind us to Christ and to one another. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.